This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog Comic books, comic time Writers and artists are on the line They make a splash as a comic's read And take us on a trip behind the spread Watch out for comic book commentary Spinning or winning inside Fix how they got a hot idea Narrative, character, visual tricks And onomatopoeia Uh-huh It's comic book commentary This is Kurt Pierce here. Uh, I'm do- lucky today to be doing a comic book commentary for issue three of my creator-owned series, Weird, uh, co-created with Antonio Fuso, Stefano Simeone, and Mika Myers. <coughs> uh, I guess we'll just start with the covers here. Got the main cover by Antonio, which sort of follows the theme of the other covers, which are sort of like monochromatic uh white with sort of one primary color, very design-oriented, uh, super cool. And obviously, Gabriel Delato did a variant cover for us, which is just incredible. Uh, I remember being a fan of Gabriel's work from, uh, what was the book he did with Brian? Secret Wars or, or Secret War? I always get it mixed up, but yeah, just his painted work's always been so incredible. So getting him for a cover... Uh, was just incredible and you know one of those moments where you get to sort of just fan out uh so let's move on to the first page here my idea with this first sort of scene was to recreate sort of a cold open like a big action set piece uh it's something I think is really hard to do in comics, and so I sort of welcome the challenge uh and force a challenge on my collaborators. Uh, but yeah, it's basically, we start off in this airplane and it's sort of like slice of life stuff. The soldiers are guarding this, uh, this cargo and they're sort of just like talking amongst themselves. Again, this is really just an effort to sort of like humanize the characters because I sort of know what's going to happen to them. And I want you to feel a little empathy for these guys. Uh, so the last panel of the page is sort of an overhead shot of, another plane approaching this plane that's transporting the cargo page two we very similar but we cut in on a figure diving down sort of crashing into the plane uh the sequence was really inspired by you know action cinema in in specific i had two films in mind when writing this uh that was the Dark Knight Rises, which has this incredible cold open of Bane and his crew uh, hijacking 
this plane, right? And it just, I remember before the movie came out, about six months before it was released, they released the cold opening as like a prequel preview in IMAX. And I remember like, Go, like freaking out and lining up to go with my brother and my friends to see it. And, and it was just still one of my favorite action uh, openings of like any movie. It's just a really incredible sequence. Uh, and then the other sequence sort of inspired this was Mission Impossible, uh, Ghost Protocol, but sort of all the Mission Impossibles that have these really incredible action set pieces. So I wanted to sort of uh, steal some of that energy and bring it back to comics. Uh, so the next page... We see our uh, unnamed assassin sort of crashing through. He kills all the sort of guards we saw talking. Again, it's just like an action page. It's, I love the way that Antonio hand lettered the sound effects and sort of like guide you visually through the panels. Then moving on to the next page. Again, this is just action stuff. And I can't really sp speak to too much about what my process for this is because I'm just writing simple descriptions. Really, it's Antonio's work that and uh, the work of Stefano that sort of like lands this moment. Uh, but yeah, just the pacing and everything, the way Antonio laid it out is, is rather brilliant. Uh, then there's sort of like a one liner to end the, the sequence. Uh, Page six, we we sort of cut back to back to sort of Peter Weird, and we're uh, we're looking at his house for sort of the first time, and we see it's in sort of a, a state of disarray. He's got his muscle car parked out front; it's all fucked up. Uh, there's women puking in the toilet. They've you know written all each other with sharpie. It looks like basically since we last left him, he's been on this bender. Uh, and again, it's like this is not. Uh, Peter's not, like, all smile and happy face here. It's sort of important that we show, like, uh, there's consequences to his behavior, and this is not necessarily the most well-adjusted guy. Uh, so, you know, don't model your behavior after this character as funny as he is. Uh, Peter gets a phone call. It's sort of a silent sequence intercutting between Peter sitting and brooding and the phone call from his handler. Again, I just really wanted to use visually let the artist display this emotional beat of Peter's detachment and his reticence to go back and really do his job. Uh, Antonio's work here is so nice and, and the colors are beautiful too. All right. This is when the things start to heat up. Uh, page eight is sort of like uh, Peter's handler Stillman is relaying sort of what happened to Peter. And basically what we see here is someone in like an Iron Man suit walks up to this cafe uh, in Los Angeles and commits an act of sort of a mass shooting, an act of domestic terrorism. Uh, and he, as we move on to the next page, we kind of see he's doing this to get attention. He wants to speak to Peter Weird. Uh, so when we we sort of have this nine panel grid again, this was inspired by uh, Chris Nolan. This was there's this really horrifying sequence in uh, the Dark Knight where you see the Joker's almost making sort of this like snuff film of this uh, wannabe Batman who's getting ready to kill. And I wanted to sort of capture uh, this sort of like creepy sort of terrorist video vibe that that has. 
Uh, so then we move on. We're on page 10. They're in sort of the facility that the agency works out of. Stillman sort of uh, briefing Weird and giving him information. And uh, Weird is just feeling incredibly guilty about this. Like almost he's responsible for it. So he's setting the meeting with this this terrorist, even though he knows he's in danger. Uh, so the next page, the meet, uh, the first panel is like, I love doing this kind of stuff, this title card stuff, because I think it really, uh, explores, you know, comics are words and pictures. And to me, a big part of that is design. So anytime I can, uh, explore that intersection and really integrate text in a fun and, uh, playful way i like to do that uh one writer who actually does this a lot who i've i started doing this early in my career but uh i sort of noticed later i discovered christopher Priest's work and chris priest does this with a lot of his stuff so uh a bit of a chris priest vibe to to my choices here but it's not really a conscious thing i guess that's just a sort of stylistic uh choice that we have in common uh Again, with that, it's the same font that's a weird uh, title font and the same font for sort of all the captions. So the idea here is letting design choices bleed into the narrative and create a more immersive experience. Uh, this is just like a time-passing sequence, weird being impatient, and then Antonio knocks it out of the park with these sort of micro-panels, uh, this Frank Quietly type of energy uh just really beautiful work from antonio and then again the title uh panel the meat for real is just playing with it uh the formal aspects again weird's tied up he's in a warehouse there's sort of conversations happening between these two characters that has reference to uh prior shoes event there's nothing technically too too interesting happening here i mean it's just sort of conversational plot stuff uh the big the the big thing i kind of wanted this whole sequence to play with was this idea of deconstructing the idea of of who who weird is and is he really a hero because i mean a lot of the stuff he does is pretty terrible uh but yet he's still positioned in a way where we're following his his narrative and his misadventures so this character in the sequence here Really is just geared towards exploring that. Page 13, again, more conversational stuff, but the real important thing is the, the... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The terrorist takes his mask off and we see in panel three that he's actually uh, a character who we encountered in the backup of the last issue. Uh, Tom has not been kind to him and he's been alive for quite a long time. Why is that? Uh, we don't tell you yet, so I'm not going to tell you here. So we keep going. Again, this is just conversational stuff. Two characters back and forth, sort of like Aaron Sorkin locked room dialogue energy, but with like uh, 
with like a really existentialist nihilist bent. So it's like a chamber play, uh, just that got really fucking dark and weird. So page, uh, 14, this is like a whole page is like a, a memory that this guy forces out of weird's head. Uh, and we see weird's parents here. Uh, they're doing some sort of test. This is clear. It's in the past. Uh, and then someone says, there's this biological matter in the test chamber. Uh, you know, you know, I'm not telling you what's exactly happening here. It's, this is for people to piece together, but, uh, I love the, the Jack Kirby sort of tech that, uh, is in panel three. Antonio killed that. So next page, we're back to the present. They continue talking. Weird snaps out of his bracelets. Uh, and this character continue. this enemy continues to deconstruct Peter's idea of what he is and what the audience thinks Peter is. Uh, and he's referencing all these events that Peter doesn't remember. So Peter, on the next page, gets up, is aiming the gun, and uh, sort of asking him, what are we supposed to fix, you know? Uh, and this villain says everything. Black Wheel, they're trying to steal the future. And that's actually a huge clue for sort of the end game of Weird and where the series is heading. Uh, again, not going to tell you too much more about that. So he 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 detonates this uh, this device he has, and it sort of blasts Peter, and we cut to black. I like cutting to black uh, a lot because it's sort of like I feel like it's a stylistic choice. It's a lot more common in film, and a lot of people in comics are really afraid of uh, silence in many ways. But I like doing it because it just sort of it creates a pause almost, you know, there's breathing room. And also we know something's happened to the character, uh, off panel, right? Sort of a, a, a narrative question mark or a parentheses. So the next page we're, uh, we're back at HQ, basically just like uh background character telling Stillman that Peter's gone off grid. They've lost track of him. He sends out a kill squad, which is these guys armed with like huge guns, uh, and we see them, I love this last panel on this page, the van speeding off into Los Angeles, all the lights and the hand lettered sound effects. It's sort of like straight out of like heat or some sort of, you know, uh, Michael Mann, Los Angeles film. Uh, Antonio just nailed this panel. It's like what I'm just so beautiful. Uh, okay. Next page is where things start to get crazy. We come back to weird and this terrorist and now they're in this crazy space sort of uh jack kirby meets steve ditko meets like an acid trip nightmare uh and he's saying basically this is where you were born like this is what gave you your power and he's been trying to get back there and he can't and this character is sort of really unloading a great deal of information to peter and continuing to deconstruct him uh, and Peter's also doing the same for him. He's saying, maybe you're right about all this stuff you're, you're saying to me, but what you did was still wrong. And there's this moment of at the bottom of the page, this character going, you're, you're, and he's kind of reconsidering his actions. And then we go to the next page and he says, basically, you're right. And, uh, he's sort of owning up to all his, all his, his, 
evil deeds and his misgivings and sort of leaking out more information about Peter's past. Uh, and so we sort of see him become cognizant of what he's done and sort of like, I wanted this, this beats almost like plays like someone who has Alzheimer's, how they'll go in and out of sort of memory and consciousness. And this character has got some sort of, uh, disease or, or malady inflicted upon him by some shared trauma that he asserts him and Peter have in common. So basically Peter gets through this guy. He raises his, uh, his repulsors to his head, says, fuck it all. Peter's like screaming, no, because this is his, this is his sort of one tether to a past. He didn't even know he was missing. Next page, the character says goodbye charges up their pulses even more. Peter sort of pleads with them to to stop. And then the guy just blows his own head off and we cut to black. Uh, this is what I like to call co the cosmic suicide sequence. Uh, we, we cut and Peter's walking out of a portal back into the warehouse. Stillman's there and he's just with the kill team and he doesn't know what happened or what's going on. He asks Peter if he's okay and Peter just walks by him and says, I quit. Okay, then this is sort of the last sequence of uh of the story here. And it's uh it's Peter later on at his home. He's he's sort of looking at pictures of his parents and stuff and trying to figure out why he can't remember them or remember the events of his past and you know what the missing pieces of his memory really. And we slowly kind of reveal that, you know, he's he's been binge drinking again and he's tied uh, a cement block to his leg. And at the end of the page, he throws it into the water. Uh, the sequence was really inspired by probably my my one of my favorite sequences from my favorite TV show of all time, The Sopranos. Uh, and this there's a sequence late. I think it's, uh, it's season six, I believe, where AJ you know, pretty much does the same thing. He, he throws a cement block in the pool and tries and kills himself. And Tony comes home and like saves him. And there's this beautiful moment of once Tony gets AJ out of the pool where he's just holding AJ and he's like angry at him, but, and screaming at me, but he's, he loves this kid so much. He's like, he calling him my baby. Like, what'd you do? What'd you do? Right. And he's sort of running his hands on his, his head. And, uh, sort of lovingly caressing AJ as if he's still a child. And that sequence always really resonated with me because of how profound it is and uh, and just the depth of love that this character we see do, all you know, really monstrous things throughout the course of The Sopranos has for his child. And uh, I think it's, you know, it reveals the truth to the relationship of parent and child. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of what I was trying to evoke here. And then again, we cut in the, the next page is nine panel grid again of the block crashes down. It's pulling Peter down. We sort of see him struggling. Uh, Antonio, again, did a wonderful job with this. See his hand reaching upwards uh, and then his eye rolling back. And then we end with this William Shakespeare quote, which uh, just resonated with me in the context of this uh, aquatic suicide uh, and it's to unpath waters, undream shores. Uh, and, you know, there's it works on two levels. It's, we're talking about the 
the unpathed waters and undreamed shores of, you know, what's beyond the, the realm of, uh, of human life. Uh, but also I think it works because just on a very literal level, there's fucking a guy drowning himself. Uh, so it's, it's both poetic and very on the nose. Uh, but yeah, that, that's what we end with. Uh, and you know, that's, I think that's really a lot, uh, hopefully not too much information. Try not to be masturbatory. The only other thing I'll say is, uh, Originally, this issue was going to be totally different, and I ended up rewriting it and retooling it and just working on it till it was in as perfect as I could get it. So uh, if I can leave you with one thought or parting note, it's don't be afraid to, to be hard on yourself and to be your own harshest critic and your own editor and, and throw something out if it's not at the level you want to put into the universe. Like, you know, everything you put out should be your best thing. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is Kurt Pierce. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe Dog. to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.